Welcome back, Morning Grinders, to the Morning Grind. Uh, Dean here with you. Uh, just what well, I was going to say, we always talk about Stevie's on layaway. Stevie's doing his NASCAR content. Stevie is actually going to be back here later this week. Uh, he'll be taking over, I believe, on Thursday, and he'll be focusing on uh, Major League Baseball. Opening day is on Thursday. That'll be good times for sure. I should mention uh, on the YouTube channel, the YouTube stream, we're going to be having the uh, the uh, Grinders live on Friday. Uh, on Friday, I know, I'm not sure if we have a Thursday one, to be honest, but on Friday, myself, uh, Grant Niefer and Derek Hardy will be talking baseball as well, too. Of course, baseball opening season is what the two-gamer on Thursday, uh, and then the season fully opens, at least for the most part, I want to say at least 11 games or so on that Friday. We do have free crunch time on Thursday. I've been alerted in my ear by our, uh, you know, uh, our alert to Devin. Devin is, is coffee is, is what kind of like it keeps him on the ball here. Devin D-Train, our producer, is telling me in my ear that we uh, we have crunch time for free, which I imagine will be cheese is good. And, uh, and Kevin Roth, chief meteorologist. I don't know. That sounds about right to me. It'll be good times for sure. You guys want to check that out, get some free premium. That said, we're talking golf today. We're recording this on a Tuesday morning. It'll be out in the afternoon. Uh, Going to bring in our usual suspect, TJ Lasik, top 15 ranked PGA player here at Roto Grinders. Uh, TJL5124, if you want to get all technical as far as the handle. TJ, I've rambled. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Good to be back. Had an interesting tournament last weekend and shifting gears now as we have a pretty much a do a total 180 on the field strength that we're looking at for this coming weekend. Let's not totally shift gears. Let's talk about last week. I know yourself, yeah. uh, yourself and Tambo, you guys did the show on Monday and that's on YouTube as well, too. And I was watching some of that before the show. Um, and I don't know, a lot of people feels like they don't want to talk about what happened last week. <laughs> but, you know, it's good for the process. You check out the results TV and I know you guys took a look ahead as far as this week as well, too. But uh, takeaways, because I was talking to you pre-show, and I was talking to Devin pre-show, and I was like, hey, man, I got six of six through. I thought that's the goal. You get six of six, 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 of six through, you're guaranteed cash money. And uh, I did it like, what, four out of 16 lineups. And uh, overall, I lost American dollars. Didn't work out for me. And you were telling me that's because, uh, well, the course got really hard as the, uh, as the week progressed, I suppose. Absolutely. Yeah, it was. So, so we were talking last week about how we were playing the same course back to back and they were going to be making some changes to the courses, making it more difficult. But I was a little bit skeptical about how much difficult, how much more difficult they really could make it. And turns out they can make it a heck of a lot more difficult. And yeah, we saw guys that that made the cut and then on the weekend are shooting six, seven, eight over par each day. And so the value of getting that six of six through just isn't the same as a typical week where guys are usually shooting under par, getting those points for birdie. So really just difficult setup. The, the greens were running lightning fast. The rough was really thick. So it's, uh, it was def- definitely a, a different experience to watch those guys struggling out there on the weekends when the previous weeks they were just firing birdies left and right like it was nothing. Yeah. Uh, did, did Max Homa, did he troll us again on Twitter? I think he just missed the cut again, right? He did. He did. So I, I, I played him again. He, he's also in the field this coming weekend. And I mean, he was playing well. He literally, the reason he missed the cut is there were two par fives where he was around the green in two, which is great. Exactly what you want. And then he ends up taking a seven. So his around the green game, I guess, is just where he can really fall apart. So, and then he bogeyed 18 to officially miss the cut. I think that's two tournaments in a row where you missed the cut right on the number. Very, very frustrating. Hopefully this is the week for Max coming up. I'm pulling for him. 
is oh, you're going back to him, right? We'll, we'll spoil alert. We'll talk about him soon enough. Um, yeah, he's definitely in consideration. <laughs> and did, did he tweet about it? Did he taunt the DFS uh, world again or not so much? I, I don't think he taunted it in the same way. I think it was more of a, I'm right there. My game's close. I'm playing well. So seems like he's in positive spirits. But yeah, it was a little more focused on like, you know, I, maybe he's a little frustrated, but he feels like he's he's right on the cusp of breaking out. And uh, DeChambeau had a, he dropped a 10 spot, <laughs> which is, uh, uh, I didn't see it, but I, got, I saw like the shot chart, which was kind of wild. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you follow these accounts. I assume on Twitter, uh, you know, there's like the birdie account that RG has. And then there's, there's like the, uh, oh God, what's the reverse of that? <laughs> bogey, yeah, I think it's the, the bogey RG bogeys. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I saw the bogey account and like normally it says like, you know, bogey, double bogey, whatever. And this one said 10 and it said, it didn't know what to call it. It called it another. He had another. He had a ten. Uh, yes. What happened there? He just he went all tin cup, I suppose. Right? He the, really the, did. He really did. So he drove it. I think it was on one of the par fives. He drove. Yeah, it was on one of the par fives. He drove it to the left into like the woods a little bit and into the water. So he had to take a penalty stroke there. And then so he's in the rough on the left and like behind some trees. Has a blind shot towards the green. I think it was like two forty away. And to me, this is just him being a little stubborn. Like he tries to go for it and, and hits it out of bounds. And when you hit it out of bounds, you have to hit the same shot again from the same spot. And so then he tried to go for it again, hit it out of bounds again. <laughs> and then the third time he literally almost did it for a third time in a row, but it stayed in play. And then, yeah, he takes a 10. So, I mean, to me, he's got to learn to just take his medicine there, chip it out, you know, get away with your double bogey and not a 10. <laughs> that, that's killer. And how does that affect – I saw people talking about this. I think it was this shot they are talking about. How does that affect your playing partners? Does that derail them? Does that hold them up? Yeah. Is that, is that, does that kind of throw off their game? Yeah, I think it took him – I saw it took him 26 minutes to play that hole. He called over the rules officials two different times. So, I mean, they actually just started playing through, like playing out <laughs> the hole while Bryson was doing his thing. And <laughs> it might have had more of an impact on the guys behind them. They were just sitting on the tee forever probably wondering what the heck was going on because they couldn't hit their tee shots. So I'm sure it's a little bit frustrating to be stuck in a group with a guy that's, that's taking 26 minutes to play a single hole. Yeah. I would assume that would throw off your rhythm to some extent. Uh, is John Rahm a big cheater? <laughs> John Rahm is not a big cheater. I think that that rule was a little bit ridiculous. I mean, the ball barely, barely moves. The only reason we could see it move is that you have a high definition camera zoomed in on the ball I mean I've heard other people in history talk about it but that probably happens many times throughout the weekend in a in a tournament where the rough is as thick as that so John Rahm is not a cheater that was an amazing shot yeah I think it should have been a penalty and they were saying somebody else had a similar shot uh the previous days or did the similar thing uh, the previous day uh who was it? Finau. I think it was Finau. Yeah. Yeah. Finau. They, they had, I, and I remember, I just remember years ago, didn't like somebody like call in like, like watching golf. You, this might be before you. I have no idea. I just remember this in my head for some reason. Somebody was like watching the like, the coverage on CBS and like called in and said, yeah, like Tiger did something illegal. And like they, it actually like he lost a stroke or something like that. How is that a thing? Like can somebody just call in to some regular Joe? Do you know what I'm talking about or no? I, I do. I do recall. I don't know the exact situation, but I, I recall something similar. Yeah, I, I think they've got to find a way to better handle these types of situations. I mean, it's one thing if there is clear intent of someone trying to improve their lie, but 
I mean, it was happening like on his backswing. He he couldn't not have possibly reacted, in my opinion, at least. And uh, I would be I would have really been interested to see if they would have made the same ruling if it would have had an actual impact on the tournament and the winner. It seemed like it was kind of like ah, he's going to win anyways. We'll make it look good by calling a penalty, and I don't feel that that's the right way to handle it either. I believe uh, I, I think Noto and Cards both had this like in their their sports book picks as far as Rom, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, for an outright winner last week, uh, the uh, the favorite this week is Dustin Johnson. Uh, Finau is at fourteen to one. Uh, oh man, I never. Oh, uh, Brooks Kepka is fourteen to one as well. Is he? Uh, is he injured? I, I feel like he's got a back or somebody was talking about. Was he on the ESPN scroll? They were talking about he might have been hurt. Was his back or something like that? Because now I'm, I'm concerned. I'm scared. Yeah, there's been something going around. I think it's a knee that they've been talking about. Yeah that he's had I think it's not something new it's been around but I guess I think the soundbite going around is that it's it hasn't gotten better and I guess he got another MRI or whatever and it's just not showing improvement so I think people are going to be pretty hesitant on Brooks this weekend I mean for, for that reason and for the reason that he's a guy that typically is a like a big game hunter shows up for the majors and and this tournament, this field is about as opposite of that as you can get. Yeah, so why is he here, man? Just chill. He, I mean, is he a mortgage due? I'm sure – I assume he's doing fine. Why, why can't he just, like, hang out for a week? That's why I think he's probably not that injured. I mean, if he was okay. actually injured, I don't think there's any way he'd be playing. So, I uh, I wouldn't – I mean, I, I if, the re, if you like Brooks, I wouldn't not play him just because of the injuries. Like I said, if he was injured, he would just withdraw. It wouldn't be a big deal. He, he doesn't need to be playing this tournament. But – at the same time, his game's not really where it needs to be right now for me for that price. So I think that he's going to be low-owned across the board, but I think with, with good reason. Talk to me about this course. Uh, what kind of ball striker do I want? Yeah, so this course will play much, much easier than it did last weekend. I think we're seeing a lot of comps to this tournament to the Rocket Mortgage that we had a couple weeks back where, where Bryson ran away with it. And yeah, we're just looking for guys that the, the fairways are pretty wide open. So if your guys can bomb it off the tee, that's an advantage there. The greens are easy to hit. I think like 75% greens in regulation, something around there seems to be the average. So when that happens, it really comes down to who can put it to, to six feet and make the putt and make the birdie. So it's going to be a birdie fest going to be low scoring you're going to need to get six of six through to make the cut this weekend because guys are going to be going low it's gonna be a lot of drafts draft kings points being scored and yeah i mean I, i'm looking at the the typical guys that I, I like to look at the ball strikers i'm also looking a little bit more than i typically would at like birdie or better rates and, and draft king scoring rates just to, to get those guys that can get those points because i think there's going to be a lot of birdies and eagles to be had on this course are we looking at stars and scrubs? Are we looking kind of like a bunch of mid-tier guys? What's the general build, or is there kind of a fork in the road? It's an interesting one. So it's it's different from the Rocket Mortgage in that we had the weak field, but we had Bryson, who was like the clear stud and was in good form and checking all the boxes. So it was very easy to plug him in and then build around him. I don't feel the same way about Dustin Johnson this week think that he's a fine play but I mean he, he shot two 80s last weekend which you can kind of 
you don't need to put too much stock into that. I mean, the course was playing really difficult, like we said, and, and he won his last time out. But I just don't feel that Justin or Dustin is in the, the same category as Bryson. So I'm looking at more of like a, a balanced type of build. I think that there's a lot of guys in the 8K range that seem like solid plays and that, that are, are going to be pretty popular and pretty, pretty good plays. And then, I mean, when you get below like 7K, it's a pretty tough scene. There, there's a lot of, a lot of golfers that you're going to be <laughs> uncomfortable putting into your lineups. Exactly. You're checking your program. Like, are we sure this guy's an official golfer? Yeah, and that's yeah. the interesting thing as far as the salaries, too. And I'm sure uh, you guys talk about this. You and Tambo talk about this. There's, like, some sticker shock uh, on a lot of these players. Uh, Glover is 9-4, and, you know, what was he, 7 and change last week. Uh, English was another guy I think was fairly cheap. Uh, Redmond was a notorious cheap guy. He's 8.7K. Norlander uh, was another guy who was a cheap. He was 8.6K. Basically, everybody's just got a big price hike because a lot of the big boys are not playing, and, you just got to get over that, I suppose. Yeah, it's, it's really shocking at first. Like you said, there's an, a number of guys that have literally saw their price go up 2K since the last time they played. I mean, Norlander was, what, 6,500 last week, and now he's 8,600. Yeah, Glover was went from 7,100 to 9,400. So my initial look, all of that is definitely shocking. And, like, when I see Glover at 9,400, my – my first instinct was, oh, you can't play Glover for 9400 But then when you start to look into it more, I, I start to come around to it a little bit just because the field is that weak and, and Glover has been playing well. So he's a guy that I've definitely come around on a bit for that price tag. So, yeah, I think it just just takes some time looking at these names and these prices and becoming comfortable with that and realizing that, that that's what we're dealing with this week. Yeah, Wolf's another guy, 9.7K for Wolf. He was another guy that was been cheap for a while, too. But uh, I remember him, he's like my last man in, just kind of make everything else work. It's just kind of weird. It's a totally different dynamic, totally different build. Uh, as far as, you know, you got all the money in the world, salary is not a thing. Who is your favorite big spend? It didn't sound like you're big on Johnson. Uh, you're talking about Kepka most likely being fine because why else would he be here? Uh, Fleetwood, Casey, Watson, uh, your favorite big spend. Yeah, the top range is interesting. So Tommy Fleetwood is back for the first time. So I would typically, he would typically be my favorite in this field. But given that we haven't seen him yet, I think that there's a chance that he's just kind of treating this tournament as more of a warm up. So I've kind of come off of him a bit. I've been looking more at Paul Casey at 10-1. I think he's a, a pretty good combination of a, of a golfer that fits this course and also, it has a, a, I guess, relatively reasonable price tag at 10-1. Uh, I'm not sure if you were following him at all last weekend, but he missed the cut because he took an eight on a par three. He, <laughs> I did not see yeah, that. Yeah. He, like, put it in the bunker and then went from, like, the bunker to the water and then back into the water. It was all around the green stuff. So if it weren't for that one – I mean, and he missed the cut on the number, I think. So if it weren't for that one hole, he would have been competing on the weekend and, and could have had a good shot at a top 20, top 10 finish. And I think if things, you know, if Paul Casey finished top 10 last weekend, he'd be getting a lot more buzz than he is. So, and again, he's a guy where he's losing strokes on and around the greens. And this is a course that is not going to penalize that 
as much as as last weekend. So if he can make some putts, I think he has the potential to do well in this week. Can you explain something to me? Because I wasn't aware of this this happened mid-tournament, but uh, I guess after round three, and maybe they were doing it in previous rounds too, uh, I saw people talking about it on Twitter, and then I saw it play out, uh, you know, in, in the fourth round. They they move the, the, the holes? Like, is that, is that a thing? Is that what I – that they change the pins? Like, I didn't know. Like, and I don't even know like, – that seems like a hard work for the groundskeeper. I feel bad for the groundskeeper. That seems like a lot to do. They're probably there all night or something. I have no idea. But why do they do that? And apparently they made it very difficult, right? Yep. Yeah, so they get different pin locations every day. So that's – I mean, that's just, you know, you, you go out and play any random public or private golf course. They're, they're always switching up the pin locations, too. That's that's just part of the thing. But, yeah, typically you'll see Sundays be set up, especially in these bigger tournaments, the most difficult. So they'll be tucking pins in back or front corners, making it so that you have to clear the water directly if you want to go up the pin or tucking it tight in between the bunkers. So that is definitely – one of the factors that was playing into why it was so difficult Sunday. And, and you combine tight pin locations with greens that are rock hard. It makes it very difficult to get it close. And so it becomes a lot more of just aiming for the middle of the green and hoping to two putt versus being able to attack the pins. And, and that's one of the reasons why it was going to be hard for anyone to chase John Rahm down on that Sunday with the lead that he had going in. For what it's worth, it is super, super early, obviously. I'm looking at our lineup HQ that has our ownership percentage, which, again, uh, it is fluid. It will change. But it seems like amongst the big boys, uh, Finau is the most likely to be rostered. It's not a big distance. And there's Casey. And then it looks like uh, next up would be Fleetwood. Does that sound about right to you? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. Finau with the strong showing, well, for the most part, last weekend and then blew up on Sunday, which – seems to be something that Tony Finau just does for for whatever reason he can't get it done on Sunday. But, yeah, I, I always like Tony Finau. He's a guy that is a, a good ball striker, just a, a good, solid golfer overall. Having him be, like, the guy in your lineup is a little bit difficult to swallow just because, again, he, he struggles to get that win. But at the same time, that is what it is with this field. And, and I also think – I talked last week about how I thought that one of the elite golfers in the field was going to win, and, and that, that's what did end up happening. And I feel the complete opposite about this week, and I feel like oh. almost anyone in this field can win this tournament. And I feel like the past couple of weeks, you've had to have the winner in your lineup to win a GPP, and I'm not so sure that that is going to be the case this week because I think that anyone can win. I think that someone who ends up being very low and owned could end up winning. And, and so basically all, I guess what I'm trying to say is that, you know, if you're rostering a Finau or a Paul Casey, you don't need them to win, right? Another guy in your lineup can potentially win this tournament. Whereas last weekend it was like, okay, these are probably the, the two or three guys in my lineup that can realistically win this thing. No, no one else has a chance of actually winning. I'm not sure if you've dug into the uh, the Vegas odds uh, stuff just yet, but maybe uh, are you teasing the potential of, of a couple of darts you find kind of interesting? Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a good. I mean, I, th- I think a lot of I think it's a good week to to bet some longer odds for sure. Um, I, I'll probably tout our, our our boy Max Homa. I think that uh, I'll keep going back to the well with him. I think he I think I saw him at like ninety. I think he actually came down from like ninety to seventy. Sixty though. to one right now in DK. Oh, wow. So he really Whoever's started coming him, down. Yeah. Somebody pounced I think on. I saw him at like 90 to start. 
but oh, wow. uh, I mean, Austin was still. Uh, Eric Van Royen is someone who's been getting buzzed too. He's probably come down to like 30 now, but I think he started at like 45 or 50. He's 45 to one right now. So he has 45. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. think that's another like longer shot him and Redmond. So yeah, I, whereas last week, I think I said that I didn't really want to recommend betting anyone that was over 30 to one. Yeah. I think I would probably give the opposite advice this week and say that I wouldn't want to bet, you know, fee now at 12 to one or 14 to one or whatever he is. I just, I'd rather take the the longer odds in this tournament because when it becomes the the birdie fest, again, it's just like who's going to get hot with the putter and and make all these birdies. It's not as like heavy of a task to beat that difficult course last weekend where the, the top golfers really do rise to the top. And the uh, the premium stuff, a lot of guys give their, uh, you know, sportsbook perspective takes as well. And then Anoto talked about, he liked, uh, he had the winner in Rom, and I was reading his article today, the winner in Rom, and he had a, he had on, I believe, for a top 10 finish. I don't know how much of this stuff you delve into, but do you think that's interesting, like the bet from not just a win perspective, but also like a top five or a top 10? Is that something that interests you, or you'd rather just kind of just go for the winner and that's that? No, I think that's interesting too, and I think it's a different – I think you can bring – different golfers into play like I think when you're betting outrights there are certain golfers that that have it in them to actually win and others that you're like oh yeah I can definitely see this guy getting top 10 or top five but like is he really gonna win so I think that is definitely a uh another way to go and like that's where you know maybe like a some of the higher guys like a Paul Casey top 10 top five type bet obviously the odds are going to be pretty short but I like his chances of, of getting a top 10 finish. I'm not so sure. I love his chances of, of winning at least at his like 25 to one or whatever he is. Yeah. Casey specifically 18 to one, to win four and a half to one top five. Oh uh, goodness, two to all one, these odds have been bet down since I was looking. <laughs> yeah, You got to pounce, man. <laughs> if you like something, you really do. You really do. Uh, speaking to the, the, the strength of this field or lack thereof, uh, Lucas Glover is actually the, the sixth highest favorite at 25 to one. He's 9.4 K and DK is one of those guys we were talking about as far as sticker shock. It's like, wow, this guy's got a big price hike, but I mean, he's also, uh, I believe he's tagged here in lineup HQ and uh, people are saying like, it looks like he's got a, a pretty healthy tag as far as his other percentage as well. So, Hey, you got to spend your money somewhere. I guess is the philosophy. Uh, Glover is distinctly better in this field as opposed to previous fields. How do we feel about Glover? Yeah, I, I like Glover. Like I said, my, the, the sticker shock was a lot for me to digest at first, but I've come around to him. I think that he's a, a very solid play. I think he finished T38 last week. Prior to that, he had four top 25 finishes in a row. He's a guy that is a, a great ball striker. I think he's actually, over the last 24 rounds, first in ball striking in this field. He does pretty well from a a birdies perspective. So he's a guy that can go out there, make you some birdies, get you those points from a a DraftKings perspective. He's not as much of an eagle maker, but I'm not, I mean, it's not too worried. I think when, yeah, I think he'll make enough birdies to do well from a scoring perspective. He's my favorite guy in the 9K range. I also like the 8K range a good bit. I like Doc Redman for sure. He had a, a tough week last weekend, but I think that the easier course will suit his game better. He's a guy that continues to strike the ball well prior to the Memorial. And yeah, he lost six strokes 
six strokes putting last week at the Memorial. So can, can really tip his bad performance towards that. But prior to that, been gaining strokes. Tee to green, gaining strokes on approach every single round. He's another guy where his struggles are typically around the greens, which shouldn't be penalized too much on this easier course. I uh, like EVR, our friend Royan, as mentioned before. I think he'll be a good play. Sam Burns is a guy that can hit the ball really well off of the tee and scores a lot of points from a DK scoring perspective. So he's a guy I've interest in. Henrik Norlander's been playing – playing really, really well. I was, I was surprised to see him put up such a good showing last week, ending up with a, a, a sixth-place finish in the Memorial. But he seems to be doing it a lot with the putter. And as you know, that's not really the guys that I'm looking for. So I think I'm going to keep fading in, in hopes that he's regressing, but also can't blame anyone for playing him. He's been on fire lately. Yeah, bet, just betting on him the, uh, the regress that I mean as opposed to just uh, trying to chase his optimal game. Uh, so I'm curious. Like, there's some weird names out here, and you mentioned Redmond, and I'm kind of looking at the ownership stuff again too, and he's projected to be highly owned. Uh, I know you play mainly one lineup, and you put it in everything, right? Uh, but if you can kind of sort of put on your GPP brain, if you, uh, if you will. You know, I know you've done this, done this on previous shows. Uh, is there certain guys, like, that just shouldn't be 25 30% owned? Like a Redmond, like, is that – Oh, I mean, is that a red flag? Like, you don't have to have Redmond or a guy like Harry English. I'm seeing Sam Burns, you mentioned. He looks like he's going to be fairly popular as well. Is is it a good week, if you're multi, mass multi-entering, you think, to embrace variance? Because that's kind of what I'm getting from you. Absolutely, yeah. I think that all of these plays come with risk because long-term, they're just – you know, they're all not that good of golfers. That Yes, they may be the better golfers relative to this field, but they don't come with the safety of a John Rahm at 9,300 last weekend where he's just a different caliber of golfer. Now you're paying 9K for, for Harris English. So I think it's a great week where if you don't feel good about any of these guys that are projected to be 20, 30% owned, that – to, to, to fade them and look in a different direction. Now that said, you know, you, you're not going to be super comfortable with many of the pivots, but I think I'm taking a look at the ownership projections right now. I t- talked about Max Homa and I guess I'm just going to continue to die on the Max Homa Hill because I, I think that he is a good play again, and he's coming in at under 10% ownership. I think that Patrick Rogers is another good play that, seems to I'm actually surprised to see his ownership this low maybe maybe that'll come up over time but I think that those are two good pivots in the low 8k range to come off of the folks like Redmond, Burns, EVR. Luke List is another guy that is like very very hit or miss. He did has he joined, the, the opportunity uh, did he to joined the tournament late last week he's kind of came he was in a he was a late arrival. Is that not, is that not correct as far as yeah, list? I believe so. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, eighty four hundred Luke List is also tough. Yeah, no, no, I think you're right about that. But yeah, I mean, it's just another one that's tough there. But yeah, I, I would I would definitely be aware when building GPP lineups of not forcing too many of these chalky guys into one lineup. I, I think that. With a field this week, there's only so many names that people even recognize or are comfortable with. And so that would 
likely lead to even more ownership consolidation than usual. Whereas last week we had so many options that ownership was relatively spread out. This week is quite the opposite where there's just not that many plays to go to where, where you feel good about clicking them and putting them into your lineup. Yeah. I think you just mostly build, like you build a lineup you want and that's that because you build one main lineup. But uh, I know some people talk about, uh, and, I, and I feel like Tambo was talking about this and you can certainly adjust this too in the lineup HQ when you're making making your lineups a certain percentage, like you don't want to have any more than like 85 or 90% project ownership. Does that sound about right? More yep. or less? Yeah. I think a lot of people use that, that rule of thumb where you basically look at the, the total ownership projection of your lineup. So th- that's definitely one thing that you can look at. I think another is just making sure that it's not a lineup that is, that has a chance of being duplicated. I don't think that's been happening a ton in PGA this year. I think that, Things have been spread out enough, but like if you're going to go in and just put, you know, Redmond and English and Burns and EVR all into one lineup, like yeah, there's, yeah, you, you have to have all, you basically have to have all six of your guys be the optimal play in order for that to be the winner. So if you're going to start your lineup with two or three chalky guys, I would just make sure that you finish it off with at least one or two that are, five percent type guys just to balance that out and give yourself a unique build compared to the rest of the field all right uh what about the 7k area uh this is where it gets murky i think it's already been murky to some degree but it gets murkier i suppose but uh who are we looking at as far as the 7k range yeah so when we're looking at value this week i think we're looking for a different type of golfer than we were looking for last week so Last week, I think it was really about safety and just finding guys that, that can get through the cut and can grind and, you know, just give you that 40th place finish. So, so like the guys like a Jim Furyk, Steve Stricker type, guys that are just grinding it out and making the cut. This week, when we're looking at cheaper guys, I would look much more for upside and for guys that can get hot and make a lot of birdies. So, looking for guys that, that are, are good off the tee, I think is one thing. So in terms of upside, like a, a Johnny Vegas at 7,900, he's, he's certainly a risky play, but he's really great off the tee and tends to, to score pretty well from a DraftKings perspective. So if he's able to, to stick some approaches close and, and make some putts, I think that he can score pretty well. Let's see. I like down at 7,400. I think Charlie Hoffman is an interesting one. He had a, a pretty nice showing in his last time out at the work day, finishing seventh, uh, gained a lot of his strokes putting, but was also gaining strokes tee to green and on approach. Uh, he rates out pretty well in this field and, and comes in at fifth in, in DraftKings scoring, which again, that's something that, that I'm definitely looking at for the lower price guys this week. Scott Stallings popped for me a bit. He, he's been having some some decent showings and is another guy that can score. And then down, going lower, uh, 7,100 Taylor Gooch and 7,000 Chase Seifert. I think that that they're both good plays that, that have had some reasonable showings recently the last time we saw Seifert out there he, he was on on our TVs on a Sunday on his way to a fourth place finish and, and he also has pretty solid stats across the board and then Taylor Gooch another guy pretty solid stats across the board uh, decent on approach 
a pretty good putter and, and pretty good DraftKings score. So those are some of the guys that stick out to me. I got an observation. Uh, there's Cameron Tringle. That's a name I remember yeah. uh, from a previous tournament, maybe a week or two ago. Yeah. And to be clear, I mean, if people haven't caught on. I'm not a golf <laughs> expert of any sort. The questions I'm asking, I don't pretend to be just asking questions, trying to learn and, uh, you know, get as much information out of you as possible. Uh, Tringle, uh, Tringale, Tringle, Tringale, Cameron. It's Tringale, Tringale, <laughs> Cameron. It's definitely Cameron. So we're hundred percent on that. We're going with Cameron. Uh, he was like basically this price a couple weeks ago. Uh, my, my observation is this is like, he's one of these dudes that I recognize the name and I think he was a cheapie at the time and he's not, he did not get a significant price bump like a lot of other guys. So maybe he's interesting because he's 7.2 K and he was 7.2 K in like much better fields or maybe I'm just way wrong. You tell me. No, that, that is correct. So he, he's been hovering right around this price tag, even in the much stronger fields. He was actually a guy that, that I wrote up in a previous tournament as a value play. But at the same time, he's not really a guy with a ton of upside and not a guy that is going to score a lot from a DraftKings perspective. And so to me, he's more of a guy where I like him as a value play in a tough field because he's a grinder and generally speaking, a cut maker. So if I'm just looking for a cheap guy that can get through the cut and I don't really need a lot of scoring upside out of that's more where I would look to him. Whereas in this field, yeah, the the price is good, but I, I still think that his upside is about the same. Like, he to me doesn't seem like a guy that's going to go out there and, and get you a, a top 10 finish or a top five finish whereas some of these other guys like the the Johnny Vegas's the Hoffman's the the Gooch's the Cypher it's like I, I see that they I see them having more upside I guess but you fine okay. play no you, fine play but I just I, I'd target probably higher upside guys this week you, uh, you write the value play article. You also do that as far as uh, your tags and lineup HQ is their value play specific as well. People haven't caught on. Your guys are always going to be cheapies. Uh, all the good players are claim, man. What's up with that? Is that like an initiation thing for you? <laughs> no, Nodo and cards won't give you the good guys? Yeah, I, I can only tag the value guys. So uh, I'll, be, <laughs> I'll be in there tagging guys 7,500 and under, trying to, to give us some options from a value perspective trying to, to also specifically make sure that I include some guys in the 6K range. And again, uh, I, I'm also <clears throat> thinking about changing up my article a little bit and including like a little bit more of a different, like I've just been listing kind of six plays and I'm going to kind of try to say like, okay, here, here are some guys that are more like cash optimal type options. Here are some guys that are more like GPP upside options. And then here are some guys that are like just the the total punt play salary saver type guys. So I think I'm, I've been working on my article. It'll be out by the time this podcast drops, but um, yeah. It, so. it won't by the way, because today's podcast is going to be going up basically right after the show. Normally oh, we put it up the next go- day. Yeah. Oh, this is today's grind. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So. I, yeah the schedules have kind Never of screwed up with me and it's my bad. <laughs> We're actually posting this today. Yeah. Fake news. So. Okay. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that, it's not your fault. You, you would think there's no reason for you to think otherwise, but, uh, so you've been holding your nose, I, I, I presume. And like, you know, perusing through these uh, 6k guys and, you know, you're probably going to feature one or two in your article. Uh, who, <laughs> who, who are we gravitating to? Like, don't give away the whole article, obviously, but is there one, a one player or two, uh, less than 7k that you think is, uh, 
I guess, playable. So I keep looking at this Cameron Davis down at 6,500 on DraftKings, and I've seen other people talk about him a little bit as well. I mean, he's missed all four cuts since the restart, but somehow his underlying stats are good. And somehow, and I still can't figure this out, he's, he's number one in DraftKings scoring. So he seems to be a guy that just makes a lot of birdie, birdies and then also a lot of bogeys. So I don't think he's making a lot of pars out there. But in this weaker field, maybe he's a guy that, that can get you some scoring and, and get through the cut. And if he finds a way to make the cut and play all four rounds, he can put up some scoring. So so he's a guy that I've been looking at. Keith Mitchell at 6,900 is another guy that has the ability to go low. And I, I know that he's he's a guy that has a, a specific putting surface that, that is beneficial to him. And we're not on that this week. I think he's a he's a Bermuda guy and we're on bent. Hopefully I got that right. But so so it's not the ideal week for him, but he is a guy that is good off the tee and uh, can can score from a DraftKings perspective. And, again, an upside guy. He, he could easily miss the cut, but any of these guys can. Chesson Hadley, another guy under there that, that has some decent ball striking numbers and some decent scoring numbers. So those are some of the ones I'm looking at. It's, yeah, it's mostly pretty ugly. I'm taking a peek here over uh, – oh, I, I did pull up the, one last – Some options. <laughs> I'm having some audio issues over here. Hopefully, we'll, uh, we'll clear that up. My bad. I'm not really sure what's going on my, with my uh, laptop. It's getting all funky on me. But um, I pulled up the, the tiers one last time here, TJ, and uh, it's not it's not working. It's not that they have yet to. I can reserve, but that's no fun. We like to play the tiers game. Unfortunately, uh, we're recording just too early this morning. Uh, that said, I'm taking a peek here as far as the uh, the, the sports book on DK. Uh, Johnny Vegas, you mentioned 66 to 1. You mentioned Hoffman is 70 to 1. Are those interesting darts? Yeah. Yeah. I think those are the kind of numbers that, that I would look to, to target this week. And I mean, yeah, I think it's a week to go a little lighter from a, a betting bankroll perspective and, and maybe just place some, some smaller bets than usual on some longer shots and, and have those sweats. So yeah, I think Vegas is a, is a good one. I, I mentioned Homa. I like him. Let's see. Yeah, Hoffman, another guy that can get it done. Keith Mitchell is probably a long shot guy that can also potentially get a win. I think he's won before. So those are the those are the kinds of guys I would look to target this week. I just think that at the top of the board, board the value is just not not quite there for this week. I'm scrolling. I can't even find Keith Mitchell unless I missed him. I don't know. Is he is he crazy cheap on DK? Hmm. How much is how much is Keith Mitchell? He might be like a 150 to one type guy. Uh, he's 6,900. Um, yeah, that's okay. If he's 150 he's, to one. He's usually like a 150 to one kind of guy. I feel uh, like, I don't know if that's exactly what he is, but. Who's winning this bad boy? The long uh, shot. Who do you have? Who do you have as the winner as of Tuesday morning? Who do I have as the winner as of Tuesday morning? Let's go with EVR, Eric Van Royen. He's going to come through, get a win here. Guy that's been striking the ball well. Long-term form, good ball striker, good scorer. Struggles with the short game and struggles with the greens, but shouldn't be penalized very much by that this week. Gained 8.8 strokes off the tee last weekend. 
including 8.3 strokes on approach, lost three strokes putting. So he's a guy that, that I think makes a lot of sense from an upside perspective and, and is a, a decent outright odds bet. Yeah, 45 to 1. I'll take it. 45 to 1 as far as top 5, 9 to 1 as far as top 10, 4 to 1. So there you go. Uh, just play it. Win, play, show. Uh, knock all three of those out. Uh, all right, we're going to step aside. We're going to get out of here. Uh, before we do so, tell the people, tell them about your article. Uh, let, let them know about the show on Monday. You do a Tambo as well, too. That's, of course, free on YouTube. Uh, oh, and get the, uh, get the Twitter out there, too. Uh, let the people know about the Twitter. Yeah, got to get the Twitter going. I, I got some gained some followers the the first couple shows we had and it's been slowing down a bit so at tjl5124 dfs on twitter you can follow me there as dean said i'll be having my value breakdown article coming out later this afternoon on tuesday every monday going forward we have a, a free show that i'm doing with tambo where we do a lineup review we've just been going through all of the the bigger gpps and talking through winning lineup constructions. Uh, we're, we're talking offline about some changes to that format as well, or, or just looking to mix it up a bit for you guys, I think, on a week-to-week basis so that we're not just giving you the same thing over and over. And then, yeah, I'll be making some some other appearances randomly, I'm sure. You can find my conviction plays, my rankings, all that good stuff on the, the RG Premium for PGA. Yeah, uh, lots of good stuff for premium, and uh, so it's not just yet, but of course, a lot of HQ, the projections, the consensus value rankings, all the stuff that I look at, the expert rankings, uh, Notorious's core plays, uh, Cards' GPP breakdown, and like you said, your aforementioned value breakdown. Tambo does, uh, well, at least Tambo sometimes does the, the videos for Showdown. I think Cards does it as well, too. Uh, lots of good stuff here as far as the premium uh, at Roto Grinders. Uh, that said, uh, TJ, thank you. This was fun. I don't know. Uh, Stevie's coming back, so I don't know if we're doing this again anytime soon, but I much appreciate you joining me. And if the situation arises, we'll definitely do it uh, again down the road for sure. Uh, and thank you for waking up. Uh, well, you were probably up already, but I, we scheduled this really late. And uh, thank you for being flexible. I much appreciate that. That said, uh, that was TJ Lasig. This was golf. I was Dean. It was also the morning grind. We're out of here. 